Out Nation. Providing you with the practical tools and expert knowledge to optimize your strength, health, and mindset inside and out. With your hosts, Steve Katarzy and Bryn Jenkins. In this episode of Out of Nation, you get to hear me, Steve, have the come to Jesus moment that after many, many years of holding back, I'm now bringing meditation into my life and you get to hear about the way in which I'm trying to do that. We then get into what is a three-part series, a hotly requested discussion to help the super majority of our listeners, which is to lose and control your body fat and your body weight for good. A hotly requested area of discussion. So we've devoted not one, but three episodes to getting into the detail. And in this specific episode, we're gonna be level setting on some key facts regarding really Western diets. So we'll start off by talking about the food diary from Adapt Nation because we're getting some feedback that perhaps it looks too calorific and voluminous. We get, get at that head on. We then get into asking the question, do you know how many calories you are eating and burning? The answer is normally no. Then we attack some deliberate lies and misconceptions that we've been told for decades by industry and government. And then we finish this episode talking about the fact that, guys, this isn't typically your fault. Yes, discipline and willpower come into controlling your diet, but you're not always hungry. There is an addiction um, that is driving your need to eat some of the foods that you eat. And we talk about how some of those addictions are playing out in your diet today. We hope you enjoy this episode, and if you do, you can then click through to the next one where we then get into the practical principles and knowledge to take control of your diet, followed by part three where we get into top 10 practical insights and quick tips for managing the principles in part two. We hope you enjoy. I've been good, man. I've been good. I think... My training's going well. Yeah. Um, business is going well. Um, I'm just really excited about stuff generally. But I must admit, I'm. The last few days I've had to. I don't know, I've had this awareness that I'm not breathing. Right. I, I know it sounds bizarre, right? You just breathe normally, but I just feel this kind of like shallowness of breath and this yeah. tightness in my diaphragm. And it was just building up this kind of like low level mm. anxiety for no fucking reason, man. And it was it was almost annoying me that like, I shouldn't be stressed. Yeah. Yet I feel stressed every day, and I didn't know how to get rid of it. It was. What you're saying that's do you feel like that's linked with your shallow breathing and feeling stressed, or is it stress making you not breathe properly? I don't know. I don't. I, I don't think I'm as committed to all the kind of wellness rituals that you rituals that was it yeah because yeah, uh, you know at some point last year I was bang on everything yeah. right the right sleep you know reading you know doing my own kind of downtime <laughs> stuff I remember we, we had a coffee once and you said to me you're like I've got all these rituals and you're saying I don't know if I've got too many rituals there's so much to do like in the morning you're like waking up I'm using the blue lights putting them in my ears I'm um, tracking my food I'm doing this I'm doing that yeah, um, I do. Do you know? I still do most of those. So I still do the the blue light in my ears in the morning. Yeah, vitamin D first thing in the morning. Yeah. Um, what else do I do? I uh, check social media. That never used to be a thing. I think that's yeah. probably what fucks me up. The first thing in the morning, I'm on Facebook or Instagram. Yeah, it's, it's just it's, it's tempting when you wake up to look, isn't it? Especially if you're putting posts out the night before and you wake up and think, uh, how do you perform? Yeah, yeah, but I think, I, and I do it as well. I'm guilty of this, but I do try and not go on my phone if I wake up in the morning I think well, I'm going to have at least an hour away from my phone if you wake up immediately your head just feels like busy because you, you just wake up and look at your phone and there's all this noise on social media I just think it just jumbles your mind too early I, I yeah 100% I'm definitely noticing that, that <laughs> I used to wake up and you know kind of feel comfortable not touching my phone for the first half an hour yeah and not feel compelled to go on a news app I wasn't really into social media, so I didn't feel like I needed to see anything. Mm. So I'd wake up and I'd just groggily get myself out of the state of being asleep. And I'd do these few things. 
But now, you know, I probably can't last any more than five minutes without having to check something. Yeah. I've got to check. I've got to do something about that. But part of me thinks it's a it's it's closure. Right. I'm now getting to the point that if I can, if I know what I'm doing on social media in that first five minutes, which is uh, just a quick status update on what's happening and probably get an Instagram post out at seven-ish in the morning, get that done, I can turn it off and then focus. Mm. I think I think that might be the way I need to go, just yeah. so it's it's an action done yeah. versus an action undone, because that, that generally stresses me out when I haven't done things that I know I shouldn't. Yeah. Well, for you, what you do is purely online. So you have to take it seriously, and that's why you want to wake up and go on it, not just because there's addictive elements to social media, but you, you kind of have to do it, right? Um, you've got to be consistent. And... I, I must admit, I know this sounds ridiculous, but I am, I'm having to force myself to use Instagram socially, like, like for my own personal right. benefit, because I'm doing so much on the kind of like promotion side yeah. of getting stuff out there and thinking about what next to say on Instagram or Facebook, I'm kind of done, right? Yeah. And then I'm like, okay, well, I must look through, you know, my friend's stuff and that because yeah. I want them to show that I'm interested. I am, but I'm kind of burnt out yeah. with all my own shit. <laughs> I just want to switch off now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's a bit of a forcing function. But here's a bit of a revelation. Right. You and I have spoken about the fact that, you know, I try and get some breathing in. Mm-hmm. And I was doing that. Most mornings anyway, and night, I had an Apple Watch, and you can do like a four or five minute breathing session, and it just vibrates on your wrist, and it tells you when to breathe in, breathe out, and it measures your heart rate variability, so you get that nice added bonus. But it doesn't ask you to do anything else other than breathe. And that was my go-to place to try and get some balance. And it, I've been finding it's just not enough, because I've just got so much on my plate, not enough downtime, my brain's always yeah. going, and I've just found myself tight, uptight, kind of just clammed. So three or four days ago, I was like, enough's enough. Mm-hmm. I listened to a couple of people talk about this as well. I decided to start the journey of meditation. Right, okay. You're sitting there with your legs crossed saying, um... <laughs> <laughs> it's, not it? that, it's not that deep yet. <laughs> I'm going through guided yeah. meditation. And basically, it's not really meditation yet. It's more... It's an app. It's an app called Headspace, and it's. Um, I've seen this. Okay. It's a good yeah. app. I think it's globally doing really, really well. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an English guy that I don't know if it's English just because I'm in the UK or generally, but an English yeah. guy that does the narration, and he's got a nice, calm voice. He's really. Um, he's got low expectations of you. <laughs> he's not expecting you to nail this. Yeah. And he's um, forgiving for the fact that your mind's going to wander. Because I tell you what, Bryn, I don't know if I'm. I am atypical. But I struggle mm. to not think about something. But my brain... My mind's busy all the time. Um, my brain's grabbing stuff all the yeah. time. I try and stop thinking, and within five seconds, something else has grabbed my attention, and then I have to check myself and go, shit, I've just gone down that route, and I'm supposed to be mm-hmm. empty. So this guided meditation, it starts off really slow. You can pick your time um, frame, five, ten minutes or so. And he just guides you through um, a setup phase of sitting down, relaxing, feeling your body, feeling the connection of your body to the floor, mm-hmm. um, feeling where there might be some pressure points or tightness in your body. You become really present and aware of what your body is doing. Exactly. Feeling. So start breathing, feeling the you know the inhale and exhale, feeling the rise and fall of your body. Mm-hmm. Start to feel where that oxygen is going. Start to feel where, um, yeah, there might be some pain, yeah, in your body, and then he then guides you to start literally just counting your breaths. So you're focusing on your breath, mm. the sound of it, then gets you to focus on the sounds around you. So you're present. It's trying to stop you thinking about the past or the future, yeah, and trying to get you to think about the now and then, the sounds, the experiences, the sensations. And he says something which really resonates with me. He says. You know, to begin with, your eyes open. And he says, have a low focus. Like, look out, but don't focus. Have a soft focus. Okay. So don't really think about anything. Detail. But let things come into your life. And he uses this analogy of you sitting by the side of a a highway and watching cars go past. And those cars are your thoughts. And 
what happens in life is you you watch these thoughts go past and then before you know it you're running into the, into the, into the road mm. and you're getting involved with the cars and you're trying to stop them and you're trying to make them do different things and, and you're trying to police the cars and that's just <laughs> mayhem and you stress yourself out mm. meditation is about accepting you have thoughts mm. but sitting on the side of the road and seeing them go past and not interact with them yeah uh, okay that's kind of it's weird quite, right? quite a difficult thing to do it's like know you've got thoughts yeah. accept that don't, don't feel guilty that your mind is racing yeah but don't engage with them. Mm. Like, whoa, okay. So I've done this for Great four, energy, four days now. Yeah. And it's, um, last two days I've been feeling just a bit happier mm-hmm. and a little bit more cool with life and feeling yeah. like I can go with the flow a little bit more mm-hmm. and that kind of built-in tension that's coming from the pit of my stomach with this like inability to let it go is starting to subside. Now I catch myself after of small little things. Like I work down here in my office, I haven't got a toilet, so I have to go up up into the house. And because I'm busy, I don't want to go to the toilet. So that kind of pressure builds up and builds <laughs> yeah. up. And before I know it, I am busted. <clears throat> but I'm trying to keep working whilst needing to go to the toilet so I don't want to stop. <laughs> and that's just without realising. I checked myself yesterday. I'm like You need a nappy, dude. but i'm finding um i'm getting myself stressed out yeah now not deliberately but i'm in a like a rushed state trying to get stuff done i'm fidgeting i'm moving left to right left to right i'm just like on tender hooks Mm. and i'm allowing small bullshit things yeah like needing to go to the toilet and holding it take away from a calmness that i should normally have so the small things, like, my life is not stressful. Mm. But I've allowed myself to get in this low anxiety because I've yeah. not given myself the, the yin to my yang, that, yeah. that chill to the pressure. And I think, personally, this could be fucking ma- amazing for it's, me. Man. It's interesting what you just said, that your life isn't actually that stressful. And I think that goes for pretty much everyone. I think we all have this low-level anxiety and stress and think... 101 things to do I can never get my list done yet when you actually stop and think about it a lot of the stuff that's you know going around in your head isn't important and actually you don't have that much that you need to do and when you think about it your life's not actually as stressful as you think it is and that's so yeah. important to, to, to get to grips with that and, and realise actually there's nothing really to worry about in my life right now now, some oh, yes. people do have worries, right? Let's not, well, that, yeah. let's not downplay that. But the majority of the things that we worry about aren't particularly yeah, important. Yeah, it, it's things that people are worried about that really aren't important. And then when you stop and realise, you go, oh, actually, I haven't actually got that much to worry about. Yeah, there's a few things that I need to, to think about, but nothing that's really overwhelming right now. If I think about the things that Adapt Nation demands of me mm. so I can keep up the standard yeah. and ever increase that standard, there's nothing that I'm doing... Mm. that is outside of my capability or if I'm in the right headspace particularly difficult but I've been getting quite uh, overwhelmed by it all yeah like some days I wake up and I just feel it's me against the world Mm. like there's this never ending stream of shit I've got to do yeah and I'm getting pissed off that I'm having to do it and it's Mm. rinse and repeat and it's and it's taken from me and you know, I'm struggling with managing my time. But the last couple of days, I've, I've allowed myself to just give, give a little bit of... Um, the, the app is called Headspace. I think it's a perfect name. Give myself some space where I'm not thinking about things I need to do. Yeah. It has made a difference. And, I, and this isn't meditation. Right now, this is me playing and practicing with the concepts of what meditation are whilst not really getting in a meditative state. And already come out of it after 10 minutes and go, I've done something good for myself. Yeah. I feel a little calmer. Giving I'm now looking at the same action back, haven't you? I'm looking at the same stuff and I'm going, that's not that stressful. That's not that, that's yeah. not that overwhelming. Overwhelming. Yeah. So watch this space, man. But I would, I would recommend for you, Bryn, um, not because I feel that you like need, yeah, it, need it, but if you listen to any, any leader in our space right now, and, and quite frankly, any highly functioning leader, 
almost all of them yeah. are saying like my go-to thing now, you know, there was there was a point in time where I was go, 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 and it was all about how hard can I push? Yeah. How many hours can I work? And then it gets to a point of um, realization, you know what, I am better, stronger, mm. more capable, getting more stuff done now. I found my thing that gives me balance and that thing is meditation. And it's not just what I'm doing, but it's a deep, meditative, connect with yourself, yeah. 20 minutes a day jobby where you're really allowing yourself to centre, centre within yourself. And then all of a sudden they have maximum resource to go into that day, look at it the right way, not get overwhelmed, mm. get shit done. Yeah. And I hear this time and time again and I've, I've ignored it because I'm like, that's bullshit. I don't need that right now. That slows me down. I've got 20 minutes. Yeah. But that 10 minutes gives much more than 10 minutes back. Yeah, I I remember, so I've not, I I need to practice more on doing meditating, but I think it was last week at some point, I remember feeling overwhelmed. It felt like I had a lot of stuff to do. And I got to a point where I was becoming unproductive. I was was almost feeling this feeling of running out of time. Mm, And I went, actually, let's stop for a minute. I have got time. And you know what? I've actually got, I've got an hour spare that I can just give to myself I'm going to eat my food with no distractions no tv anything like that I'm going to have a cup of tea and I'm just going to read this magazine and I was I'm just going to do that for an hour and then see how I feel after that I've done it and I gave myself an hour and I had my lunch and then once I finished that picked up the magazine had a cup of tea started reading and I went actually I don't want to read I put that down and I just looked out the window and just sort of chilled by the time the hour was up, I had the best afternoon. I was so productive. I was That's, so on it. So, you're so bang on, man. I, it's such a difference. And that, over the last two months, is something I have... I told you, man, I don't do balance, right? No. I, I'm, I'm really, like, that, I'm anti-balance. You're one way. <laughs> yeah. And I've just gone, you know, I, I can be more productive in my time. I'll, yeah. I'll get stuff done instead of watching telly. Um, I haven't put a telly on for... I probably put it to him once a week yeah. at the minute. Oh, such and, a distraction and, and, and waste I, time, I'm, isn't it? But you need it. Yeah. You do need the downtime. And but is it downtime? The, the TV I'm talking about. It can be. You know, yeah. reading reading a book or watching a bit of TV that you know doesn't tax you is something that I've allowed to just go the other way where it just doesn't exist. And yeah. like, I need a bit of it. That's kind yeah. of what you're saying. But anyway, I would let, I'll let you know how that gets on, but I would highly recommend... Whilst you you think you may or may not need it, give it a go. See what happens if you do five to ten minutes every morning, uh, you know, maybe just before or after you brush your teeth, before mm. the house wakes up, before the mentalness of getting ready for the day. Just build in that five or ten minutes, give it a go, and see how you feel over the course of a week. And I don't know, I defy anyone to do five to ten minutes a yeah. day and not say there's there's not something coming from this, something yeah. that isn't worth maybe exploring a little bit. Adaptation. Alrighty, let's get into what is quite a um, quite an interesting and highly demand highly demanded topic. Yeah, and that topic is losing body fat. More importantly, losing body fat for good. You know, it's um, been highly anticipated and expected from us that we approach this. A lot of what we're doing right now is we're trying to cover all the bases from supplementation to working out to, you know, mindset to, you know, some more intermediate or advanced thinking around optimizing your body or strength training. Yeah. But the thing that's accessible and I'd say probably needed for most people, if they're honest with themselves, is that they could do with losing a couple of pounds or maybe more of body weight which is typically fat so we've invested over the last week to start articulating that in written form in a blog series a three-part article series and this podcast is bringing the narrative to the guidance that we've offered there it's going to cover three things or three areas the first is some level set um it's not all your fault and we want to explain some of the some of the um situations that are probably not going in your favor the second part is to give you some underlying principles of body weight management and we'll then move on to the third piece which is around um, some top tips and insights to tactically execute against the principles we've offered 
So, Brent, let's get started yeah. with this level set. Mm. And what, what do I mean by this? This conversation actually came from um, some Facebook interaction I had last week. It was a friend of mine that um, called me out. And he said, I think your food you're putting out on your blog is too calorific and too big for people. Mm. And you're not promoting weight loss, you're promoting weight gain. Mm. And I know he wasn't malicious. I know he was coming from the right place. He wanted me yeah. to check myself and say, Steve, you know, refine. And I've heard this half a dozen to a dozen times, like, Steve, your food's too big. Well, firstly, I give low-calorie option. Maybe that's not clear to people, but there yeah. is a lower option. <clears throat> but my food is big. There's a lot of volume on the plate. And because, I don't know, I don't think there's many people that do what we do. I am very transparent with the calories in my food. Mm. And most people promoting healthy food don't tell you the calories. Mm. Don't say, here's this beautiful picture, salivate. Oh, and by the way, it's 2,000 calories. They don't do that. Yeah. So And, but, and that's where, where it can be misleading if they don't give you the calories because it looks, yes, it's a healthy meal, but they're not telling you how many calories are in it. You've got a full avocado in there. You've got loads of oils in there. You've yeah. got this, that, and the other. Pine nuts. This might be 1,200 yeah. calories. Yeah. You know, you, te- you said to me that, you know, there's salads you can get. 1200 calories just for a salad that you can pick up in 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 you know a restaurant more calories than a big mac which is insane yeah now it's healthy it's great it's full yeah. of nutrients it's understanding that isn't it right but knowing what's in there is important so so we had this back and forth and i thought hang on a minute mm. i hear you my food is big not everyone wants the volume that i want mm-hmm. don't have to have the volume i want but my food is anywhere between my dinners anywhere between say 800 and say 1,200 calories, I guarantee you the majority of people's dinners are higher than that. They might have smaller volume, but the calorie density is much higher because I'm having foods that have hardly any calories. You know, all the vegetables I have have hardly any calories. They just fill up the plate. So that got me thinking. Naivety is at play here. And that's the first piece that we want to level set against. Yeah. Right? Naivety, and I don't mean to be judgmental, but... I don't think people have been educated with the appropriate tools and knowledge to best understand three questions. Question one, how many calories do you need just to maintain your current weight? Mm. If you were to, you know, the the people that come to your studio, Mm. as a percentage, first consultation they have, how many people come to you now and yeah, I know how many calories I should be consuming per day to just keep treading water on my current weight levels? Pretty much, I would say one or two out of, out of about 10, I would say. So 10% maybe. Yeah, and, and sometimes they think they know um, how many calories they should be having and it's grossly underestimated how much they need. And they'll think that they need to be on 1,400 calories. Actually, they need to be on 1,700 calories. Or they'll say I need to be on 2,000 calories a day when actually I need to be on 1,700, 1,600. So it's... And then you ask them how... Or what have you come, how have you come up with that number? Mm-hmm. And they're unsure. Yeah, what, what, how are people normally coming up with a number for them? Is it these... Um, you know, there's like guidance, um, yeah. I think general um, guidance from the government on how many calories the average yeah. man or woman should consume. You yeah, think it's mostly and, and just seeing other people and just going, well, they're, they look similar to me. Okay. So therefore, I'll probably need the same calories as them. But what they're not counting for is their daily movement and all the other factors that we need to account for. So the, that's the first piece of naivety is I don't think people know what they need to sustain or lose weight. Yeah, uh, very individualised. And if you don't know that then everything else is guesswork, mm. right? You can you can eat very little, but that's not sustainable. Mm. When you rather eat the right, the right amount so you feel happy and you lose weight. The second question, which is really coming to that discussion that, that prompted this uh, this article, yeah. is how many calories are in your food? How many calories in the food that you make for yourself at lunch and dinner? The, the food you make at home, whether it's prepared with ingredients or it's out of the freezer, how many calories are in there? Mm. And I think if people were truly aware of that, now, if you get one of those Weight Watchers meals, you know, right? If people are trying to be on this kind of restrictive diet, Steve, I know that, there's 300, 400, 500 calories in there. 
but most people aren't doing that all year long. That's a diet. Like your standard way of eating when you're enjoying your food, how many calories are in there? And I tr trust me, my 800 to 1,000 calorie dinners can get blown out of the water with meals that are far smaller yeah. and unhealthier. The third question that I don't think many people can answer is how many calories are in the healthy restaurant foods that you have? I salads. I, exactly. The salad, the, the, the lettuce might be fine, yeah. but once you drizzle that dressing over the top... Add some and pine nuts. The pine nuts and the feta pistachios. Cheese, and, yeah. Maybe some fried chicken. Eight, nine hundred calories easy. Yeah. And yeah, you're not even full up. Yeah. And although it's a healthier option than, let's say, a Big Mac, the problem is, is that are you aware that it's more calories than the Big Mac? That's, That's exactly it. It's awareness piece. So there's a naivety <laughs> piece that I think... Um, Restaurants, the food industry, government, uh, the fitness industry haven't done a good enough job mm. of level setting the majority of the population to understand these questions. Yeah. Now, calories are on the tip of most people's tongue when they talk about diet, but I just don't think they fully understand it. They haven't got the practical tools to cut through the nonsense and just give yeah. you the stuff you need to know. That's the, the first piece. The second piece of level setting is... I'm coining, I'm coining the term loosely, misdirection. Yeah. More accurately, I'm talking about out-and-out -out lies. Yeah. I think we have been lied to as a society for too long in ways which are serving industry, profit-making, mm -hmm. um, or government, and less about serving you. And I know that sounds a bit controversial and, you know, overly dramatised but there's some real truth in here and there's many many a study documentary or, or kind of position being put out there that we have been grossly lied to for the last 50 60 years strawberry wine gums one of your five a day was that ever a thing <laughs> no <laughs> you see it on, on, on some of the food and you just feel oh, how can they say that and you so, see why people are confused so I know we've got a couple which um, the big one for me that I think it's starting to get broken down, but it has been a thing that most people live with, especially whilst I've been alive, which is fat makes you fat. If I think about, I'm 36, if I think about maybe up until I was 30, maybe even right now still, the amount of low-fat food mm. you will find when you go to a supermarket is indicative that fat must be a problem. Yeah. So we're going to have low-fat yoghurt, we're going to have low-fat, you know, uh, milk, we're going to have, you know, no-fat milk. Yeah. We're going to have low-fat processed yoghurt. foods and all that yeah. shit. And the question is why? There's this notion that fat makes you fat. There's only one thing that makes you fat. Instead of eat, overeating and having too that many calories. Too many calories, right. Fat does not make you fat. I, I almost feel like they should change... The word fat to something else when it comes to food, so we don't associate it with body fat because yes. they're the same word. So you go, if I'm eating fat and I'm body fat, that means I'm going to put more That's fat. Such a good point, man. And I just think marketers are going, ah, okay, well we can use this. And I just think, well, if you change the word, it's it's it changes your mindset. So I'm mindset. saying this is a lie versus a misunderstanding, and it is because there was um there's there's been some acknowledgement um that there was a study, and I don't exactly know when it was, so forgive me for not un uh, being able to recite the detail, but I think maybe at least 20, 30 years ago, mm. there was a study that was put into some government bodies declaring that um, sugars are not good for you, mm. that sugars are the primary cause for weight gain. And there was this massive uproar in industry, right? You've got to think about the industries that either produce sugar or rely on sugar to make their food taste good. There was this backlash because sugar was a predominant factor for foods being sold at the volumes they were, mm -hmm. that there was this repositioning and ignorance of that article. It just got put into the archives. Yeah. And instead, the response to the fat epidemic that we're seeing today was to go why don't we go low fat we'll we'll go low fat calories stay the same mm. but there's this perception we're doing good and this is a better option for you but instead the only way you can get that taste good when you take fat which is what makes things taste good 
The only ever ingredient you've got yeah. is sugar. Jack the sugar up, and then the food is still palatable. Or, I guess, sweetness and a load of shit in there. Exactly. Yeah. So, car- so, so fat makes you fat <laughs> is a misnomer. The second is carbs, right? And this is a big thing that's been playing for the last 15 years, maybe. It's definitely a current thing. Carbs make you fat. Carbs make you diabetic. Mm. There's some truth in that. But carbs Thanks. in their own right as a as a, nutri- uh, a macronutrient, mm-hmm. they don't make you fat. Mm. They don't make you diabetic. It's the type of carbs and the volume of carbs that you're having mm. that are causing you the concerns. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. What else have you got? Whole grain. Whole grain mm. is supposed to be this, this healthy source of food, which again is a big lie. Um, Think about those food pyramids, right? It'd be yeah. like, these are the foods you should have. And right in like the top... Yeah. You should have your grains and your wheat. This is really Bread good for you. And, yeah, and you just think, how can they promote that as, as number one or as the, the foundation to your diet? I just think it's absolutely crazy. Um, so and, yeah. and why, though? Why? Well, whole grain is, it can cause, a lot of people have um, intolerances to, to grain. To wheat and gluten. To wheat, gluten, exactly. And that's causing, again, um, you to put on more weight gain. It can cause things to flare up within your body, like autoimmune disorders, mm. joint pain. So the fact that they're telling us that this is a staple to our diet is absolutely absurd. Uh, absurd. Um, but it's not absurd when you think about the why. What's the motivation yeah. for... For breakfasts, breakfast cereals, breads, pastas, white, um, you know, all these foods, pretty much every food that you can get that tastes good, that's been pushed at you for the last 15, pretty 20 much years, grain, all got wheat in there. Yeah. All of it's got wheat. Yeah. Why? Wheat industry is fucking massive. Mm. It is, you know, the crop industry is huge. And the, um, uh, the guys that produce the, the pesticides massive massive mm. business yeah you get those two mega businesses that drive the majority of our food supply chain and you get them challenged su- suggesting what they're creating is not good for you there will be misdirection left right and center let me tell you why this stuff is great and why you need more of it yeah and the reality is they've created an addiction we'll get to that in a second which is fueling our rising obesity more than anything else i know people don't want to hear it because there's mm. there's this kind of association association to wheat based products that you, you you it'll be like cutting off your right arm yeah but it is causing more problems than it's solving I promise you and they're easy to consume as well they're convenient foods high, ca- high made, caloric density as well yeah so it makes it hard to actually say no to these foods for so breakfast so when I say to someone about eating nuts or meat for breakfast or eggs they look at me and think I'm that's not crazy. breakfast. Yeah, that's not breakfast. I've what been told mean? breakfast is... Wheatabix. It's Wheatabix and cornflakes. Yeah, like yeah. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Or so bread, it, right? But, and, and if you think about it, there shouldn't... No food... There's no food that's really a breakfast, lunch or dinner, but mm. over time, we've associated certain yeah. foods that had a breakfast and not a dinner. Yeah. And it's bullshit. It's what becomes normal. The marketing, accepted. if you think about how hard... Weetabix and cornflakes and Cheerios and Rice yeah. Krispies and, and all of that and all the breads. If you think about hard, how hard that's been pushed at us and how important the idea of breakfast is, mm. that has now created this association that breakfast is one of those foods. Oh man, I just, We've got to break that, man. I remember growing up on Cheerios. I used to be addicted Same. to that shit. I used to absolutely love it. Rice Krispies with loads of sugar. Yeah. I love <laughs> brown sugar on being healthy. What else have you got? Uh, milk. Milk's another one. Um, the milk is, makes you strong. Do you remember those adverts? <laughs> yeah, Atkins milk, and calcium. Salmon. Yeah, and, and <laughs> I mean, it's not so bad over here. In America, it's an absolute shit show, isn't it? In, in the farming industry and their milk um, and how the cows obviously fed and brought up. Over here, I don't think it's as bad. We're a little however, bit more regulated, but still not so how, good. Yeah, exactly. It's not the amount that we consume. Like, we get it through ice cream, yogurt, obviously Jesus. milk itself, cheese. When I tried to limit dairy um, or milk itself, I, I didn't realise how much I used it in your tea. Um, but you you will see this movement now because we're starting to realise that it's actually baby calf growth, right? It, it, it's, it's baby cow growth. It's to make cows grow up big and strong. And it's full of the nutrients that they need in order to grow big and strong. And they've used that to market towards us. 
and said that we will grow big and strong if we have milk, right? Um, and you know what? Beyond our beyond our high growth stages when we're a kid, where we yeah. need that 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 high supply of those nutrient density mm. and a high protein density within our milk. Beyond that, we don't need that level of mm. stimulus in our food. No. And here's the thing, right? If we're talking about a cow, its milk, you, that equation wouldn't be so bad for you. Mm. It's when we talk about mutated cows, thousands of which being um, farmed yeah. in confined spaces, taking antibiotics so they don't get ill, and taking antibiotics because it causes inflammation and higher growth. Yeah. They get fed, not grass, that's what cows should be eating. That's all they eat. Yeah. Instead, they're eating corn and soybeans. And they're, 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 exp- and they're being farmed for milk constantly. And then you're not just getting the milk of that one cow, mm. you're getting the cocktail of the milk sources from a thousand cows that are in that factory, all, oh, pas- all pasteurised, Put you know made to be shelf stable, yeah. and then you're drinking the milk of a thousand cows, all of which are on antibiotics and in these confined so now conditions. You're consuming that. I, I don't know about you, man, but you know, if I was to say have goat's milk that was farmed locally, where there was very few goats, and I was getting pretty much one to one, that's going to be healthier than this yeah. mass farm. And unfortunately, again, the lies of like I remember the advert, you know, you know the moustache, the milk moustaches, yeah, yeah. or you know, there was yeah. this kid in the locker room, uh, in a football locker room, talking about, you know, if I grow up big and strong, I can play for Acklinson Stanley. Do you remember yeah, yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. In the UK? And it was all about, you know, milk and cheese is a fundamental. Hey, who paid for those? Mm. It was it was the food industries either paying for them directly or giving money to government so they can then describe the healthy way of eating for their society. And unfortunately, it is bullshit. Mm. It is bullshit. One of the, uh, I like to use um, as an alternative. I still do use a little bit of milk, but um, I tend to use mostly almond milk. Almond milk, yeah. Uh, almond milk, um, coconut milk. And those are the two that I tend to and they taste, stick with. Do you know yeah. what, guys? They taste almost the me. same. Yeah. And they don't have any of the inflammatory kind of um, setup that lactose. Basically, the reason why a lot of people can't have cow's milk is because it contains lactose and not everyone has lactase which is the enzyme yeah, to break up lactose break yeah. but even with or without that condition I've just described this cocktail of antibiotic ridden milk do you really want to be doing that I don't know I, I think you should be trying to lower your yeah. consumption of that well, what foods are uh, um, most people intolerant to it's whole grain and milk they're the two man two biggest ones so I've got another one for you we've kind of touched on it do you um, for, for as long as I can remember Breakfast is the most important mm. meal. What do they say? Eat breakfast like a king, lunch like a prince, dinner like a pauper. And it's always been... I remember when I was growing up and I'd see... And again, I'm not trying to slate um, shredded uh, shredded wheat or shreddies and that kind of thing. But it was all, you know, these, these images of the kid being lethargic through the day. But when they have shreddies... They're buzzing and they can go throughout the day and they Probably keep super, they yeah. keep hunger at bay. Yeah. Fucking bullshit. You yeah. eat that stuff and you get hungry quicker and it zaps your energy. This has been such a big lie in promotion of wheat-based products to take that position of your breakfast meal. Mm-hmm. Think about Valentine's Day. That's a commercial, that's completely a commercial created thing. Breakfast is a commercial created thing. The need for it and what we we should associate breakfast as being. Breakfast is not the most important meal of the day. Do you know what? It's the least important meal of the day. And as soon as you start your dig- digestive tract on the wrong path, first thing in the morning, you take energy, not add energy. Mm-hmm. So we've got to start to reorientate people on, hey, you don't need to eat as soon as you wake up. What's you got? Uh, branded diets <clears throat> so these diets with names attached to them certain ways of eating so there's all sorts of, of diets out there that are popular right now like um, paleo diets and things like that they've just they're just different ways of eating that have got these names on them that that almost make you think that they work but like a paleo diet right is just taking out most of the foods that we're intolerant to um, so like the whole grain foods and milk um, so yeah it's a good diet works for some people doesn't work for others um, but so, it's not so the what, be all and end all so what you're trying to say, say that branded diets I, I guess what I guess what 
I'm hearing you say, is that there's there's this idea that when you want to lose weight, when you finally reach that decision, yeah. What you what do you go and do? You go and Google, or you try and understand and you what your friends are doing, yeah. and you look for the th- the the marketed branded thing uh, that is the next silver bullet. Yeah, you know that that labelled branded marketed diet that talks about a specific process, elimination of certain foods, abstaining from certain things. And you know what they 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 usually seem seem to be extreme on the extreme end of dieting, right? Um, because if it sounds too normal, you can't market that. There's got to be yeah. something different that you can plow money into and get shitloads of money out. Yeah. And again, I'm not trying to suggest that this whole industry are full of snake, snake oil uh, salesmen. There's a lot of that, unfortunately. Mm. Um, some of these diets, they're grounded on good principles. Mm. But having a branded diet alone and having that uh, identity attachment, yeah. that I am paleo, I am keto, I am Atkins... I think is overstating and mis- misdirecting you. Instead, you want to be healthy and you want to have a sustainable diet. You don't necessarily need to have a highly restrictive diet that most of these are. Yeah, and they're, and they're temporary diets, right? Because it's not your diet. What you need to do is go, how does my diet look and how can I improve my current diet so I carry on eating what I'm eating and then just slowly over time improve the diet so that long-term it's sustainable because you know what? I'm not on a temporary named diet. Exactly. So we've covered off the misdirection. The last piece of the level set is addiction. We've spoken about a couple of these. I just want to put a little finer point to some of these, Bryn. Let me just hit these quickly. So we spoke about wheat, um, and we think it's not, without over, over sensationalizing this, it is the root of most of our problems. If you can get control of your wheat consumption, I think you can control your calorie intake and you can control your visceral fat larger than anything else that you can control in your diet. It has though, when we talk about addictive qualities, it is proven scientifically that within the, um, right, when you consume gluten, as it breaks down and metabolizes, it creates a byproduct that is Mm opioid-like. Opioid-like. It has all the addictive properties of a substance, a drug substance. And wheat, gl- wheat germagluten is a very small um, protein that can actually pass the blood-brain barrier. So it's got opioid-like qualities and it can get into your brain, yeah. right? Where other foods mostly can't. So you've got, this isn't just uh, willpower or self-discipline. This is actually a chemically addictive substance. It's a big deal. But it's not all doom and gloom. Five to ten days out out from eating wheat-based products, you'll yearn and feel um, less empty that you haven't got bread and pasta and stuff like that. You just need to give yourself some time for the kind of, hey, it's like rehab. It's like going to a rehab clinic. Mm. Give yourself some space and time and away from it you'll start to create distance, you'll start to create a a better relationship with that food. Right now, we are so addicted to wheat. Don't worry, guys, you won't be sitting in an empty room rocking and sweating. I don't know, you might be, man. This addiction is heavy. (laughs) (laughs) What my toast? So that's the first one. The second one in addiction is this this cocktail of fat, sugar, and salt. So you've got to think about it. Um, Food scientists are paid handsomely to, in a lab come up with the right combination of flavors mm-hmm. um, and textures that create you know the great the nicest taste but more importantly the most addictive yeah blend of flavors perfect concoction perfect concoction now think about it in nature do you can you pick something off you know off the ground or or, or, or slay an animal and get fat sugar and salt in that one thing mm. you, you don't it doesn't come together yeah. that's a human made creation. So we've gone in a pursuit of greater um, palate, uh, you know, tastiness, and more importantly, greater addiction. We've created these combinations that when you bring them all together, they send such a strong signal for dopamine, that kind of like yeah. want and need for it, and they dampen the signal to say I'm full. Yeah. You don't get that signal, doesn't get back to your brain because it's just so indulgent yeah. and it's... Um, you're not noticing the, the the nutrients that are coming with those foods, 
because it's this mash, this blend, and they know this. They so, give you an, let me give you another example which really, really brings it home. And this is um, well-reported. Things like Cheetos. Um, in the UK, there'll be things like Watsits, right? Mm-hmm. These are so easy to just continue to power. I remember when I was a kid, my mum would get a pack of 12 packs of Watsits. If I'm just like not thinking and I haven't eaten yeah. and I'm like, I need something to eat, so I go and grab a pack of Watsits, I can go four, four bags through and just have to check myself and go, I should stop now. Yeah. Not because I'm full, just because this is ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. I've had four bags of Watsits. What's going on here is something called the vanishing caloric density. What is that? It's this um, mouth fill and this um, melt in the mouth texture that's again sends no signal that you've had any any nutrients any calories you eat these foods your brain doesn't get any acknowledgement you've had food yeah so that's why you can continue to eat pringles eat you know like things like doritos and stuff bad one ice cream's a bad one they did the test on um on rats and they they gave rats a different combination um of of fat sugar and salts and obviously our overriding mechanism wasn't recognizing when they got the perfect concoction the rats would just overeat on these these foods and our body wasn't realizing that the the calorie density of these foods and not saying stop eating and they were just getting fatter and fatter and fatter i'm like that of ice cream well there's there's um this uh well-known fact called palate fatigue as well yeah the palate fatigue is if you have too much one food you get sick of it mm-hmm. um and you know the the guy um is it man versus food yeah you know the guy who just goes to place it yeah, these really like fat places yeah. and tries to eat massive amounts of burgers or ice cream i just cream sit and stuff there like drooling when i'm watching crazy it. right well he has some techniques so there was this one episode where he was eating this kitchen sink full of um ice cream yeah and he's getting through it and you know he, he's got technique right he can put stuff away was this so this was a challenge was this a because ch- at the end it was a challenge right so it was a challenge so he was getting through the ice cream and at some part through this, mm. he was just like sick. He didn't want to eat anymore. Just too sweet. It's just too much. His body was saying, like, I've, I've had enough. I've had enough. You've put too much into me. I now recognize the calories in this. Stop. And he had a technique, right? So he was like almost yakking. He calls a waiter over and says, get me a plate of chips. They go and get him some salty, crunchy chips. And he's gone from sweet, sugary to salty crunchiness different texture has a few of those yeah stop in his because he had fatigued his palate he has some of these rejuvenates his palate he's good to go again he finished the whole fucking thing oh man and that's what these scientists know if you blend fat sugar salt in this human made concoction and you you know you do caloric density where you don't feel the calories going in it's not about trying to make you fat Industry is not focused on making you fat. They're focused on you wanting to buy more of their buy shit. More, yeah. So that is a huge thing. And then the last thing, and it kind of attaches to what I just said, is refined carbs and sugars have... Um, what? So carbohydrates are the most easily digested and uh, converted nutrients to, yeah. to energy. They go from glucose and fructose to glycogen, which is the blood sugar that... Um, really fuels all our energy breaking down very quickly and it happens quicker than any other macronutrient mm. how the problem is when you have refined carbs so we're talking about you know the refined breads Bread. and pastas yeah. and all the kind of you know donuts and crap that you can get in packages plus all the sugary stuff that breakdown happens quicker than your body would like it actually breaks down in the small intestine and not the large intestine yeah. it breaks down too high up in your uh, gastrointestinal tract what that creates is bacteria forming in the small intestine which shouldn't be there Mm. and in particular it creates candida which is a type of yeast and candida you'll know like causes thrush and women and causes skin issues and all that kind of thing candida lives off of carbs and specifically lives off of sugars Mm. so you eat too much refined carbs and sugars it breaks down too quickly in your GI, up in your small intestine, that creates a proliferation of candida, and candida survive and thrive off of sugar, and they want it. And you better know, if you have a sugar addiction, this isn't you, Yeah. this is your bacteria yearning for it. 
Have you ever gone into, you know, the office kitchen? You had no desire to have any sugary stuff, but you, you catch the custard creams on the side and you've got to go grab a couple. Mm. That's your candida saying, I need fuel to survive. We've got this colony inside you. We've grown and proliferated. Yeah. We're all hungry. Give us what we need. And that addiction is way stronger than you're just gluttonous. Yeah. Way stronger. And that, so when you're, you can't say no to certain foods, not because your willpower is weak, it, probably because you're addicted to it. It's 100% because I know I've spoken to enough people that say, if I can go five to 10 days off of sugary stuff, like just knock it out. Don't just go cold turkey, right? Cold turkey. I don't really want it after that. Mm. Like, no shit. That isn't just because you've reframed and you've had discipline. You have you have <clears throat> killed or dramatically reduced the colony of candida in your body yeah. to the point there's less of these little mini beasts yeah. asking to be fed. And therefore that craving... Cravings in their truest form, your body wanting nutrients, uh, or your or your microbiome wanting nutrients, and it just so happens you've got bad microbiome if you've got too much sugar, and these guys want what they want, and they want sugar. Yeah, I think a lot of people can relate to this when when you cut down sugar, you just you just don't want it. You don't want it as much as you did when you had more sugar in your diet. You stop craving it less. This is it, man. So listen, this isn't all. This you know, you guys, we all a society, we are not all to blame. We've been purposely made naive in the pursuit of profit making and so forth there's been misdirection and lies and hey these foods are addictive now we've got that baseline yeah let's talk about some of the basic principles of managing body weight yeah that we can start to kind of you know create that foundation for change If you enjoy this show, please leave us a five-star review on iTunes. It really helps. And of course, recommend us to any friends or family who you think might also enjoy the show. Thanks for listening. This is Adapt Nation.